Does anybody remember a story we told about the painter, two painters? And this explains why we don't have billionaires around. (laughs) So, what was that about? Okay, so the fact that we... The fact that we can't really remember about placing value on ourselves, on our time, explains something about how we live. (laughs) Because it doesn't matter how much money you have, if you don't have value for yourself and your time, it's really not going to take you anywhere much so how do you value your time okay interpret it differently putting value on your time by charging for your time remember anybody remember that so the fact that you didn't tell me that that means who charged for their time this week? Oh, gave it for free. <laughs> so if your time is one of your biggest resources and you never charge for it, How are you going to experience the increase? (laughs) But uh, it's good an investment. (laughs) Investing in yourself, in your life, and in your education uh, is very good. You see, and this is why grandparents are more awesome parents than parents. (laughs) Because they're well practiced and invested. They got to practice on you and made all the mistakes on you, and by the time you give them grandchildren, they're experts. <laughs> so that's why all the kids like grandpas more than they're like dad. <laughs> okay, moving on. So the other issue we talked about was... Uh, You can be part of a community in two capacities. What was, what are they? Sorry? And it's, but that's not the words we talked about. You can be part of a community or a family in two capacities. Okay, you can either be a father 
or a son? And what are the differences between those two? So the trouble that the church has got very few fathers, it means the church has got very many takers and very few givers. Which makes the church a very poor place. Because too many want to take, too many want to use, too many want to take advantage, and very few want to give pour out and invest themselves and invest their time. Remember that? How do we value people? We value people by the amount of time we spend on them. All right? When we spend our valuable time on somebody, it's a clear indication of what we think about them, how we feel about them, and how much they mean to us. Remember that? How many of you wives, would you like to have... uh, $5,000 $5,000 to spend every day from your awesome husband and you only see him once a year. <laughs> then, in that case, well, might bring a few issues, but the point is, Are you married to their money or to them? Come on, talk to me, people. Okay. The more we talk about this, I may have to make... uh, we, ha- we may have to make uh, pastoral counseling sessions. <laughs> and we know the easiest way to do all these pastoral issues. <laughs> yeah, that'll fix you. <laughs> Okay, the thing is uh, by the amount of time people are willing to spend with you or on you, it brings a certain sense of worth and value. It's an indication of how much they value you, how much you mean to them. Um. If you've been with people, you're talking to them, and every indication and body language is telling you they want you to leave. (laughs) 
Never been there, Jackie? <laughs> and, and then when they give you that kind of body language that they want you to go away, how do you feel inside? You don't feel valued. Okay, so tonight we'll be probably, we're doing key number three, meaning there is the last two Fridays we did key number 2A and 2B because it was too many of them, so that was still key number two. So today we're going to do key number three, and it's going to leave how many keys? So we're going to start doing a maths class now. Okay, so that's why I'm saying tonight we'll be doing key number three, and which will leave us with five more keys, and then good news about the next five keys is uh, we won't be able to do them, because for the next few weeks, we've got visiting speakers. Yes. So, starting next Friday, we'll have uh, Charity and Leo. Uh, they're coming from uh, Canada. Charity is Mark Veckler's daughter. So, she comes loaded with everything she's learned from her father, plus uh, more. So, uh, those of you guys that want to really get a handle on learning to hear God's voice and... Uh, learning about uh, angelic encounters and the like. Um, she comes uh, highly recommended to bring uh, that to us. So, well, we won't be learning about these particular things. Uh, there will be awesome topics and ministry that will be coming our way for the next uh, few weeks. So, open your hearts, your minds, and your spirit. And be ready to receive. So key number three is favor. Relationships. And influence. So that is uh, pretty cool. So. Bill Johnson says. In that book, Face to Face with God, divine favor causes you to rise up to the top in your sphere of influence. And the reality is that favor can be recognized more easily when you start at the bottom. So naturally, 
We all want to excel, do very well, and be at the top of whatever area of our calling in life. And that's exactly what God wants us to do and to be. He wants us to succeed. He wants us to excel. He wants us to live life, how? More abundantly. And um, the unfortunate thing is we've all been groomed and cultured that for you to be able to get there, you must do what? Work very hard, study very hard, manipulate everybody you can, and step over everybody so we can succeed and achieve our goal at what cost? Any cost, every cost. And if anybody and anything is in the way of our success, what do we do? Run them down. <laughs> no, that's not the lesson. Mr. Horn, you should talk to Jackie at home. <laughs> this is a list of what not to do. Okay? But the thing he's saying, favor is easily recognizable if you start where? At the bottom. Then everybody who knows where you were is able to tell the difference of what you've been able to do and how far God has brought you. So the, king about, the thing about favor is not about what we did, it's about what he did. In experiencing favor, we become a showcasing of God's goodness. And this is a little part where David says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. But he's Life becomes an exhibition of God's goodness, mercy, and favor. Okay? So God's heart and intention for you is that your life should be a moving billboard or exhibition of his goodness of his kindness, of his mercy, and his favor. And favor being easily recognizable from the beginning, that's why it pleased God to choose the foolish things of this world to bring the awesome things of this world to shame. 
He pleased God to choose the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Because when the wise excel, no surprises there. It is to be expected. And because it is to be expected, it does not become a wonder that points God to God's grace. But if the foolish ones, I don't know who wants to put themselves in that category, if the not smart ones, if the not so brilliant ones, still trying to find a better word, They are using a word. When we're looking at this property, the salesman, the real estate sales guy, uh, his sales pitch was, this is a reserve. Nobody will ever build on it. So you will never get to see a very unfortunate house being bought, built next door to you. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was his sales pitch. <laughs> so since then, we said, well, we're never going to see an unfortunate house. So in his sales pitch, there is unfortunate places. But that's the point that God chooses the unfortunate things of this life. So when his goodness demonstrates, his goodness is demonstrated, everybody can see and say, but God. Now, there's a little bit of good news in here. The good news is, thank you, wife. <laughs> the good news in here is in the little place when the disciples came to Jesus with regards to the man that was born blind. And they said, Master, tell us, who sinned that this man was born this unfortunate? Because that is also another performance thing we've been raised up in. But if something goes wrong in your life, then you are a sinner, you don't pray enough, you didn't do this, you didn't do that, you didn't do that. You know that thing I'm talking about? So we tend to associate difficult times with things we didn't do, things we could have done, or the mistakes we made. But Jesus saying, this man was not born blind because of his sin. This man was born blind so that the greatness of God, the goodness of God, the power of God might be made perfect or the power of God might be demonstrated in his life. So the long story short here is in whatever circumstance we find ourselves, 
God wants to use that as the casing point through which he can demonstrate his goodness in our life. So it is in that place where whatever challenging situation we find ourselves that puts us directly in place to be able to experience God's favor. And favor makes the most difference and greatest impact in our lives. And it is easily recognizable to us and to people around us when we are aware at the very bottom of the bottom. Now, here's the cool thing about favor. What do you need to do to get favor? She says, you sure there's something? So if you did something to receive favor, is it a favor? You paid for it. Then it's not a favor, is it? So, favor is out of free awesomeness of his heart that he just wants to do something awesome for you. So, if we're expecting that we have to pay for favor, next time favor comes our way, what are we going to do? Why? Because we feel... What am I going to have to give in if I get that? So he says, favor is one of my favorite keys to heaven's economy. Because it is when God, because it is when God sets us apart that people notice or connect to us. Even though we might not be the best or the most qualified. Okay? So to receive favor, you don't have to be the best qualified or the most educated or the best one of them all. Says, I have seen people with favor win interview over everyone who had uh, who was the most qualified you ever been to that job i was uh saying the pursuit of happiness with the kids yesterday last night anybody seen that movie the pursuit of happiness anybody the story of Chris Gardner, who went for, who was trying to get a very competitive uh, internship, 
And um, compared to everybody else, very educated, and he wasn't educated. And all he did to score an interview was a scramble the aerobic cube for the boss of the company. You know those things, aerobics cube? Rubik's cube, there you go. Not aerobics. <laughs> <laughs> Did that and got the interview and moved from sleeping in the toilet in the cave to somebody with a net worth of $60 million today. How do you move from spending the nights in the toilet to $60 million? All because he did uh, a Rubik's Cube. Just did it. <laughs> Pretty much. So, the point here is your gifting is meant to be a doorknob, according to Isabel, to open your doors into your destiny. Right? Your gifting is meant to be what? A doorknob to open the doors into your destiny. Now, here's the biggest church stuff up. We've made our gifting the destiny. How dumb is that? So, we spend our whole lives showing off the shiny doorknob. <laughs> Look at my doorknob. It's silver. Mine is gold. Mine is bronze. Oh, look at the shape of the doorknob. It's such a good doorknob. It's round. It's got... Um, Shiny ages. <laughs> and then we have a church meeting and have a good gathering and discuss our doorknobs. <laughs> when you think about my doorknob, oh, mine is bedazzled. <laughs> Bejeweled. And we talk about doorknobs and the thing. And then God is like, what's wrong with these people? And then the angels, they're just wondering if one of them is going to figure out and flick the thing and see what's behind the door. And then we have worship services. Oh, Lord, we thank you for the doorknobs. They are very shine. They are good. They are awesome. They are bigger than everybody else's doorknobs. And then we have an impartation service. 
Can I get some doorknobs like yours? Receive the doorknob. Receive. Receive the doorknob. 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 I work at a good impartation service imparting doorknobs. I imagine what the angels do when they are sitting around church. Like, wow. <laughs> anyway, that's the extent of our spiritual intelligence. Shiny doorknobs. <laughs> the thing is, And then we go on YouTube and say, did you see the doorknob such and such as God? We should invite him over here and tell us about his doorknob. It's big. It can open a huge door. If you see that doorknob, it can open a garage. <laughs> oh, the way. Never getting into the garage. Okay. So the point of what I'm trying to say is your gifting <laughs> let's keep the word is a <clears throat> to open the door into your destiny. So the thing about it is whatever gifting God has placed on your life is all you need to step into your destiny. Okay? Whatever gifting that God has placed on your life is all you ever need to step into your destiny. But because we can spend so much time Comparing doorknobs, we tend to get to a place where we feel somebody's doorknob is more shiner than ours. And because we think their doorknob is better than our doorknob, we want their doorknob. Yeah, doorknob. <laughs> Donob. <laughs> okay, the doorknob. But what's it, where's the fun in that? So what happens is uh, we will pursue somebody else's gifting over 
the call and the gifting that God has placed on our lives. Okay? Now, the thing about that is, it's not what God has put on your life. It doesn't matter how well you do it. It never brings a sense of peace on your heart. Okay? Fulfillment is stepping into what God has called you to do and to be. You can have a very well, high-paying job doing something you do not have the grace for. You will make a lot of money, but you'll still be the saddest person every Monday morning. Because it just doesn't bring a sense of fulfillment to your heart. Okay? Remember those people that say, you do something you love and you never do what? Because you're doing something that comes natural and gives you a sense of fulfillment in your innermost being. So favor is the one key we need to recognize and ask God for. So how do we get favor? Ask. Recognize and ask. Okay? Makes it easy. So if it depends, if it totally depends on what, not what we can do, but on what God does, it puts everybody on an even platform. So that means there is no unfortunate people because every person has got as much chance as the next person. You get as much opportunity as the other person. All right? Favor in its essence is not just for is not just charm or popularity. It is birthed out of wisdom. Like Solomon asked to discern God's heart. Okay, what does uh, the book of uh, Jacob say? Is there the book of Jacob? Okay. For the uninitiated, it is the book of James. It says, is anyone among you lack wisdom? What should he do? Ask. Okay? If any person does not have wisdom, should do what? Ask. Okay? So when they say it's just a question or a matter of asking, it means everybody in here has got equal access and opportunity to obtain 
wisdom. And wherever there is wisdom, there is favor. Okay? Favor is a byproduct of wisdom. And wisdom comes from our ability to discern God's heart. All right? If we can discern God's heart, we will be wiser. And that's the thing about the story of Solomon. He asked for wisdom. And he gave him an understanding and a discernment of God's heart. And from that, we see favor from all nations. All right? So how do we get favor? Ask for wisdom. When he had favor... When he had wisdom, favor followed. That's what we need. The discernment of God's heart that brings about connection to others. And one wouldn't have come if they hadn't had a relationship with God. So, What's the other bigger aspect about favor comes through? Wisdom. And the other way that favor comes is through relationship. You see, for some of us, our breakthrough is only one functional relationship away. For some of us, our breakthrough is only one functional relationship away. Our provision is one relationship reconciled away. I did talk about in passing last time that the basis of every human problem is bad relationships. Okay? The reason why one family goes hungry and the other family throws away food in the garbage bin is relationships. And we saw that in a place where there were better relationships, New Testament church, what followed? There was no lack among them. Because of better relationships, they shared all things in common. I grew up in Africa. In case you haven't noticed, 
I grew up in Africa, and here is what may shock you. I? Are you listening? I grew up in Africa. What will shock you is in Africa, have never seen a poor Indian. I've never seen one. Here's another thing that will shock you. I grew up in Africa, have never seen a poor Muslim. Arab, Arabic Muslim. And we are yet to come across a poor Jew. But have seen poor white people. And they have a special name for them. In Africa, they are called dusty white people. It translated. Because they walk everywhere and they are dusty. <laughs> okay? So when you think about Indians, about how poor and poverty, yeah, that might be there. But in Africa, they're not there. Every Indian who come across in Africa, you're driving a Sahara, GX, BMW, Mercedes, and they live in their house that is big as the Queens. And they own the whole string of shops on the street. That deserves a drumming. Does this, does this come like a shock to you guys? They're the only poor people in Africa. They are black people and white people. The rest of them are rich. <laughs> now, here's a key about their, of their success. Anybody wants to hear? Because none of them live individualistic lives like you and I do. They live in gangs, and they all get rich in their gang or family. You know, they live in family, and they all prosper as a family. It's awesome. He, what they do is, when Indian comes and makes it, starts a shop. And when their shop prospers, they send for a relative in India. Who comes, works in the shop, and after two, three years, he starts his own shop next door. Who sends for another relative to India? Works in the shop. After three years, starts his own shop and sends for another relative to India. Who comes, starts a shop. 
and then sends for another relative to India who comes, works in the shop, and starts the shop. And by the end of the day, you have the whole mini Mumbai street. <laughs> and then that one feels now is of age, he needs to get a wife, goes to India, gets a little girl, brings her. So you find by the end of the day, they are this colony, and they all have the same, the wealth that is transferred within the family and in that. And the Muslims do the same thing. And the Jews do the same thing. Only you and I haven't figured that one out yet. And you find that within the network of relationships, you're listening, within the network of relationships, there is no need that cannot be made and they never even go to the bank for any loans. Because there's no point. Within their network of relationship, every need will be met. Wives, girlfriends, boyfriends, jobs, house, money, everything within that network of relationships. Which is awesome. So the biggest challenge I found as an evangelist over there trying to convert Muslims was I would share the gospel and they say, I understand what you share. And I want to give my heart to Jesus. But the moment I give my heart to Jesus, I'll be cast out of the family. And being cast out of my family means I'll lose my job because my job is in the network of relationships. I lose my house because my house is in the network of my relationships. I lose my wife because my wife is within the network of relationships. So if I get out of this network of relationships and come into your network of relationships, are you going to give me a job? Are you going to give me a house? Are you going to look after me? And we say, no, our network of relationships is too broke. We can't even feed you for a day. And that is why we do not have a lot of Arab Muslims coming to Jesus. Because the network of relationship in Jesus cannot support them or help them or look after them. Now you're feeling what I've been feeling for the last 20 years. How about that? And relationships is something that we're just not very good at. And that's why we've got so many needs 
among us because we are not good at relationships. You can think of anything you want the most and you've been crying to God for, for the last two weeks. I'll guarantee you there's somebody in here that has got two of them. Or three or four. Or six of them. But because we do not know how to relate, we just never come to a place of being in common that there is no needs among us. Solomon figured, the, figured out the power of relationships. And just how much better relationships expands your sphere of, brings us to our third thing for the day, our sphere of influence. You can only have a better and positive Influence on people you have a better relationship with. Okay? The reign of Solomon was marked by peace. His father, David, spent his whole life fighting the Jebusites and Jebrite and every site. You know, Solomon is the one king that never fought a battle in his life. He figured the power of relationship. Here's the thing. Solomon had 300 wives. Okay? Come down. And I know this is a, the where the angle we've always looked at Solomon. He had 300 wives and 700 concubines. So together he had 1,000 wives. Okay? He didn't have time to go around. No. <laughs> That's not the point. <laughs> it gave him so much time to get a life. Because here's a thing you've never looked at. It means he had 1,000 princesses and girls of nobility so he never had to worry about going to war with their fathers. That was the most incredible art of diplomacy. 1,000 kings and noblemen were all his fathers-in-law and he never had to have a quarrel with them. Okay? Now that is Diplomacy at its best. 
How about that? And now because you got 1,000 kings who are fathers-in-law and they all send you Christmas gifts, that explains why he was the richest dude in town. Because they all brought tributes to Solomon. And every girl that came brought presents from her father. So the idea about getting married and having these women was not about wives. It was about extending spheres of influence. It was about extending his reach of diplomatic relationships. So here's a guy that virtually every powerful nation around him was run by his in-laws. It worked well for him. He never had to make the rounds, but he still received the tribute. There, your Bible question about why Solomon had too many wives answered for you today. What was at the heart of the issue was relationships, getting along, and Influence. So the Old Testament and New Testament are filled with stories of people of God making connections with others through their relationships with God. It was only because of it that they had their breakthrough. Your breakthrough comes through uh, your relationship. Your relationship with God and your relationship with others. I've been talked about most of us got healed, got wounded through our relationships. And God intention also, we're going to get healed through our relationships. So here's one. Influence comes from our abilities. Where does influence come from? Abilities, favor, education, knowledge, and wisdom. But it can also be spiritual spiritual addition to our natural qualities. In other words, when we are developing a life in God, we have the opportunity not just to be limited to our own relational spheres of authority, but to God's sphere of authority as well. So your network of relationships will take you that far, but your network with your relationship with God will take you further than 
you could ever imagine. How do your abilities open up opportunities of favor for you? Uh, I remember four years ago when we were looking at doing the fumes and that. I had this thought to fume a little promotion for um, the counselor for his upcoming uh, election campaign four years ago. And uh, he thought it was a good idea. He let us, uh, let me, took my thing, went in the council chamber, whole thing, and uh, he made a presentation and I fumed it. Didn't think much of it. Three years later, we are having all this thing we've been having with the council, and uh, we write to see the mayor and the council, and guess who turns up to the meeting? The same guy that uh, I did a little video for. And uh, he's our local councillor that has been very supportive and instrumental in helping us achieve what we've been doing. But it come down to one little place using the little gifting that I had that opened a door into a relationship that has been far more valuable to us than the 15 minutes I spent filming a video. Does that make sense? So what does Numbers uh, 6.23 say? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. What's, what does this reveal about God's heart to you? That's favor. They are praying that God gives you abundance blessings, favor with others, and make you to be the one everyone wants to do business or follow. Here's the last story. He says, I had a friend who was, struggling, who was a struggling actor whose agent let him go. He was desperate and felt like only God could help him. He had no connections, but knew he wasn't done with his career in the entertainment industry. In between looking for work as a free agent, he would often reach out to, a home, to homeless people uh, on skid rows and give them food. Not because uh, he was part of a program, but because he loves well. The last man he spent time with one particular day was a real character. Yeah, spending time, did you hear that? He asked if he could uh, 
eat with him as they shared a meal. A homeless man and an actor. The man said to him, what do you need in your life? That's a homeless man asking the actor, what do you need in your life? You help me. I want to help you. His friend says, you don't have to give me anything. I know I don't, but I want to. What do you need? And the guy says, I need an agent really bad. He said not expecting anything, just voicing out his frustration. Oh, are you a great actor? I have something for you. And the homeless man searched through his wallet and handed my friend a dainty bent card. Call this number and talk to Dave and he will help him. Tell him I sent you. <laughs> yeah, you've been sent by a homeless man to go get a job. My friend had no faith in the card, but was uh, sincerely amused and thanked God for the encouragement. God spoke to his heart and said, aren't you going to call the number? To which my friend said, no. It was, it was sweet, but this can't be real. He couldn't get the question out of his head, though. He had to call. A man answered and asked. A man answered and he asked if he, if he was Dave. It turned out to be someone. It turned out to be someone in one of the top agencies in town. One he had tried to get into several times. He told Dave how he came to get this card. And Dave immediately wanted to meet him. He told my friend, the man you met was one of the most talented agents in history. But he lost his family in a car accident. Left everything and became an addict. We all love him. But even more, we trust his opinion every time. You, my friend, are our newest client, and he hired him on the spot. Says, I love favor. Through it, Abraham got Sarah, Joshua got a promised land. 
Joseph saved his family. Esther saved the Jews. Favor is a mystery and only comes by relationship with God. But it's a must. And when I say probably your greatest breakthrough is only a relationship away. Let's learn to value friendships and relationships. You never know what door the relationships you meet will open up for you. See, and the thing about it is, in as much as God wants to work and do things for you and in you, he wants to use people. Did you know that? That God wants to use people to bring healing, provision, deliverance, and help to you. So if God wants to use people, you being good with people, it makes God's work way easier. <laughs> you hear that? I remember asking God for help. Anybody ever ask God for help about things? And then God, in his uh, answering my prayer, says, you want to ring this person and talk to them about your problems? And my response was, no. And you just help me without me talking to other people. So why is my heart saying no? Because there are hard issues. For me to make the call, that means I have to confront hard issues and resolve hard issues and deal with hard issues. And actually, we don't want to do that. So after twiddling for a few weeks, I also twiddle a few weeks, and then I finally decided to make the call. Guess what? I had a breakthrough instantly. So, what does God want to use to bring a breakthrough and healing in your life? The relationships. So if God wants to use the relationships in your life to bring about that healing and breakthrough, what does that say to you? Probably maybe it's about time you started valuing those relationships. Even the relationships such as the homeless man. All right? And that's it for today. Key number four, nobody likes it.
hard work. Here's a statement from Eleanor Roosevelt. Who knows who he is? Yeah, Eleanor. Yeah, sorry. Who knows who she is? Whose wife? Okay. The woman said, it takes as much energy to wish as it does to plan. So, you can wish or you can just go and plan. What are you going to do? And the words of Eleanor will leave you with that. Father, we just ask that you continue opening our hearts and deepening uh, And resolving our hearts to place greater value on the relationships and connections that you've given us individually and as a church. People often ask, how do you, a small church, get all these speakers that come here? And I say, relationships. How do you people get Heidi Baker? And we say, it's relationships. Amen. Bless you. Go have fun.